Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Don't Try to Understand a Year in the Life of Earl DMX Simmons is a no-holds-barred portrait of hip-hop's most tortured superstar a deeply personal exploration of faith addiction loyalty and family the film chronicles a year in the life of a man the burning desire to reconcile decisions of the past the film again is called don't try to understand a year in the life of earl dmx simmons and we're joined today by the director christopher frierson christopher welcome to film school radio thank you so much appreciate it yeah thank you so much i thoroughly enjoyed the film because not as much because I'm that familiar with his music, but I'm familiar with him. I've, I've known of him and I've always known him to be one of those kind of transcendent sort of people in, in the music industry. And it always felt like the, the people that I knew who, who uh, were fans of his were, um, they connected on a kind of a visceral level with him. Right. That seemed to be kind of the vibe that I got. And it comes across in the film that that sort of bears that out. But how did, how did you get involved? How did you become part of a project to document his life? Um, so I was, long story uh, shorter, I was working at a production company called Mass Appeal. And it's uh, owned by Nas and we, the rapper Nas, and we do a lot of hip hop content. We did a lot of hip hop based content and I was working in development. So I was pitching ideas um, that were coming in and also some of my own. And because I had heard that Earl DMX was coming into the office we had a lot of musician traffic uh, at some point in the near future. And I knew he was going to jail a little bit further down the road back then. This is 2018. Um, I, I pitched a, a DMX doc and kind of an intimate sort of portrayal of him, a portrait, because, you know, I've always seen him as someone who whose narrative has been more defined by the media and um, uh, like the TMZ VH1 sort of look at someone's life more so than you know, himself. And I, I think he's someone who's sort of been maligned, whereas music takes the backseat to the arrests and the drugs and the kids and the this and that and the other thing. He ended up going to jail for uh, 2018. And during that time, I was, I befriended Pat Gallo, his manager, you know, had a plan to like, essentially make this film. He told Earl and at the last minute, January, 2019, I found out when he was getting out got some money together from, from Mass Appeal and grabbed two guys from the office and we drove down to, to West Virginia. So that scene when he comes out at the beginning of the film and is like, oh, oh, and he's like, what's going on? Like, that was the first time I met him. Like, oh, oh wow. Yeah, that was the very first time. And next thing you know, I'm in the backseat of one of, the, of, of a caravan of uh, four Suburbans and we're driving up to New York and I'm just sitting in the backseat with, with Earl and... That's how the film sort of began. Did he open up right away? Did he feel like he needed to know what you were up to? Uh, he Because the reason I'm asking that question is he is uh, an extremely honest and forthcoming in this film. And I imagine that is something that at this point in his life, that when you met him, that he was probably very open to kind of being more open, if you will, or maybe not. I don't know. So how, how did he react um, at first it was, you know, the first hours, I guess it was just somebody coming out of prison. 
Yeah. So it was it was like elation. He spent his last 90 days in the hole. So it was a lot of that. And I was just there. And what I think did happen over the next 48, 64 hours is I kind of said what I was about. I told him what I just had explained to you. It was like, I don't want to do all the things that have been done to you in profiles and interviews and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I said that very briefly. He's like, all right, because everybody says stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and, but over the course of that time, you know, we drove for a while and he, I think he kind of understood that I was serious, at least at first, like I didn't want to do those things. I didn't, I didn't ask him any salacious questions or any of the top, the things that I think people probably normally want to get from him. It was just like, to be honest, like two guys driving through the snow to New York city, talking and drinking Hennessy, to be honest, that's, that's sort of how it went. And I also just discovered because he opened up throughout that whole, that time. And, and I think trust was established fairly soon. And, you know, obviously trust is the most important thing, I think, between a documentarian and a subject. There's a number of things that come across over the course of the film, but certainly his faith would be near the top of the list, which really comes across in numerous conversations, in numerous contexts. And for people who would assume something other than that about him, I thought that was a really important part right. of his story. And I, and it and it speaks to what you just spoke of, which is this is not a TMZ, you know, behind the scenes kind of look. This is this is this is a deep dive into him. But right. about um, his faith. His faith, I mean, it's it's central to his entire being. And you know, a lot of people, I'm not don't want to talk poorly about anybody else you can see it's an affectation. Thank God for this and this, uh, uh, Lord Jesus, blah, blah. His is, it's, it's, it's him. It's, it's so ingrained that he means it. And I think his fans know that he means it. I mean, every record that he's had since the first one has a prayer on it at the end. And I didn't know the level to which, even though I was a fan, that his faith and his spirituality meant so much to him until, you know, when we were on the road, and I just saw the way he communicated his fans and I saw his fans crying and I saw that connection. I don't believe in God and the things of that nature. It made me more spiritual. I, I called him one, one day when we weren't shooting. I was like, dude, like, I just got to say, like, you're making me, you're converting me, you know, but it, you know, his, his faith isn't central to Christian. I mean, he's a Christian, but it spans everything, you know? It's, and I think that he's, he, part of that is to keep himself sane with all the trauma and all the, things that he's gone through and all the stimuli that that was that comes at him. You know, I've, I very much share your perspective, what you just expressed about yourself. That's very much where I'm at. But watching this film, I've always appreciated about people of faith. I respect that. I respect them in this in, in this regard is that their willingness to turn themselves over to something that they don't understand or that they're willing to let go and allow mm-hmm. to become part of of right. the, the way they are. I, I respect that. I, I, ha, I yeah. have to, I have to say, and that, and that's what comes across for me. It's his willingness to let go of his ego, let go of whatever else it might be, because that's more in keeping with what I believe is letting yeah. go of your ego. Right. Right. So is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, no, I would say that. And I, I hadn't thought of that in those exact terms, but yeah, his, his, his whole sort of way of being is sort of letting go and letting, you know, his path has been so crazy. I think that he has, he established within himself that like, 
if God wants something for him, then that's going to happen. And he believes that to his court. I mean, he says that at the beginning of the film when he comes out of the, uh, meets his his probation officer. I'm like, hey, what's going to happen with the tour if you can't leave the state? And he was like, I don't know. He's like, it's it's in God's hands. Like, so, you know, that's just, and he means it. You know, I've I've been in a a basement of a strip club that looked like that was in a house in Cleveland with him. And it was, it was, it was, I've never been in that sort of environment before. And there's dancers all around and he's sitting on the couch talking to some other people, some patrons, and he's proselytizing. I can never say that word. He's preaching the word of God while there's all these naked women around us. We had to cut that from the film. We didn't have the releases, but <laughs> when we went back, the place didn't exist anymore. So, but yeah. that's, that's, that's who he is, you know? Well, well, Let's take a step back and for for people who are listening to us who don't know DMX to other than they've heard they've heard of him. How would you describe him in his in the music that he has produced and sort of the the context for him? DMX is one of the biggest hip hop artists of all time. And yeah, I'm not being hyperbolic about that. Just in terms of record sales and and things of that nature, um, I think he's had five or i think his first five albums all went to number one i mean he's like platinum on platinum on platinum records one of the things that is important about his musical career and it speaks to what we were just talking about is when he came out in 1998 99 that was a real era of like the shiny suits and cars and girls and everybody's going to miami and you know those sort of things and i i think that he was someone who wasn't talking about any of those things and that's why his music resonated, his music resonated because he was talking about child abuse. He was talking about trauma. He was talking about addiction, poverty. These are things that, you know, incarceration, these are things that everyone, if they have not experienced, they have, they can touch, they know someone around them that has dysfunction in their life. Um, We can't all touch a Lamborghini or like a a hot girl in, in Miami, but we can, we know our uncle's locked up or, you know, those sort of things. And so he came at that time, him, I would say also alongside Eminem and spoke to people directly on a, on a level and a plane that was, re- was rooted in reality. And I think that's sort of what started his, his sort of, he's, his path as being different than the P Diddy's or the, the people, those type of people of the world. Um, I want to remind our listeners, we're, we're talking about the film, Don't Try to Understand, A Year in the Life of Earl DMX Simmons. We're speaking with the director, Christopher Frierson. One of the things that speaks to that was the, uh, I think he was just a maintenance guy yes. in the film. And he said, I was in prison. I listened to your music. You, you got me through. You got me through. You kept me alive. Right. right. I was outside of a concert in Detroit at St. Andrews Hall, um, just getting exterior shots. And this guy was a street cleaner. And he was like, hey, man, come here, come here. And yeah. I go over there. And he essentially says exactly what you said. He tells me a story about how when he was locked up for 15, 25 years, whatever, for bank robbery, he was like, he got me through. And the most important thing he says, he's like, Earl, he's like, DMX is, is us. He's just like me and I'm just like him. And this dude means it. And he's like, he's a fucking prophet. That's what he says. It's my language. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone to say that about other artists, whether they be hip hop or I don't, you know, or otherwise. The film is a part of the HBO Music Box series, uh, the series of films that are coming out on HBO. 
and it'll be out on November 25th. Is that Thanksgiving? That's Thanksgiving. That's, that's Thanksgiving. Well, Thanksgiving yeah. for uh, for uh, this film. Um, and uh, it will be available on HBO, but also available on HBO Max. So if you are, have that streaming service, you can check that out as well. In terms of the people around him and his family, what's been the reaction to the film? T- to be honest, like that was my main concern. Because as we spent this year and a half with the family and the, his close friends who are family, essentially, um, you as filmmakers, we became part of that family. And the last thing we want to do is betray or, you know, do anything that would hurt them, which didn't mean that we should, but we had, we had the responsibility as filmmakers to tell the truth. Right. Um, one of the wonderful things is everybody who knew Earl loved him and respected the fact that he was open to warts and all portrayal i mean because at least it was because it's honest these are things that actually happen and so i've spoken to you know i I speak to them regularly but his ex-wife his kids on that side his his fiance and the uh, exodus his youngest son is featured in the film they've all been great and and happy and then they some of them came to the premiere and were crying and laughing and so ultimately the people featured in the film who are most important to him and to me it was it was just a relief that they felt they felt okay with it. There's that's a very touching part of the film, the relationship with his son. It was relationship with his family. I mean, his right. immediate family, his ex, his you know, all of the different people that we see in the film, right. and the true feelings of of affection, outpouring of love that they have. It's it's, it's a terrific um, right. portrayal, terrific um, window into their world. Well, I want to let people again know that the film again don't try to understand. A Year in the Life of Earl DMX Simmons is will be out. By the time they hear this, it will be available on HBO and also, also available on HBO Max. And uh, this is your first foray, I believe, as a documentary director. You've shot, yeah. you're going to, you've shot a lot, but. Yeah, yeah. and I'm yeah. producing yeah. stuff, but this yeah. is my first feature directing thing. So I'm looking for, you're looking forward to uh, more projects. I hope you've got yeah. some on the line. Yeah, um, yeah. it's going to keep on. Riding the train. It's it's a very fun job. I'm sure it's a great job. I <laughs> I can't imagine. I, I would I would love to be uh, love to be doing what you're doing. Uh, uh, well, Christopher Frierson, thank you so very much for no your problem. time today. Thank you so much for the film. Don't don't try to understand a year in the life of Earl DMX Simmons. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.